Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to the fourth CHD Spotlight episode for Heart Month 2023. I'm happy to welcome Heart Unite the Globe Medical Advisory Board member Chris Donnell as my expert guest. My loyal listeners will remember Chris from the episode entitled Heart Warrior, Doctor Nurse Team Treating CHD Patients. Welcome back to Heart to Heart with Anna, Chris. Thank you so much. Chris Donald is a pediatric cardiology nurse and she was born with a complex congenital heart defect. Chris Donald also serves on the Hearts United Globe Medical Advisory Board, as I stated earlier. So today's CHD spotlight is on a type of heart defect commonly referred to as TGA or TGB. Because it's such a mouthful to say, transposition of the great arteries, TGA, or transposition of the great vessels, TGV, or actually synonyms. But as if it's not confusing enough that there's TGA and TGV, there's also LTGA and CCTGA, which are also synonyms. So friends, CCTGA stands for congenitally corrected TGA, and LTGA is an abbreviation for levo-TGA. Now, as I understand it, LTGA is the less dangerous of the two types of TGA. So Chris, can you tell us what levo-TGA or LTGA is? Thank you for having me, Anna. In order to understand transposition of the great arteries, you must first understand normal heart circulation. Normal heart circulation simplified is when the blood flows from the body to the right side of the heart and the right ventricle pumps the blood to the lungs through the pulmonary artery. The blood is oxygenated in the lungs and is sent to the left side of the heart and the left ventricle pumps the blood to the body through the aorta. Transposition of the great arteries, it occurs in about 5% of all congenital heart disease patients. This is when the two major arteries of the heart are transposed or switched. Levotransposition of the great arteries are when the bottom half of the heart is essentially flipped. In this case, the right ventricle is pumping blood to the body and the left ventricle is pumping blood to the lungs. This form of transposition of the great arteries is far less common than the more significant detransposition of the great arteries. The biggest thing to remember with this heart condition is the right ventricle is typically not as big and strong as the left because it is only meant to pump blood to the lungs, not the whole body. In about 80% of patients with congenitally corrected transposition of the great arteries, a ventricular septal defect is also present. A VSD is a hole in the bottom two chambers of the heart. 
Sometimes pulmonary stenosis can occurs as well, and having additional defects can complicate things. Because the blood is circulating normally, this defect may not be picked up right away. With patients who have a large VSD, they often are diagnosed more quickly due to the cyanosis or blueness, and they can often have heart failure. All of that makes sense, and that goes perfectly along with what people who have been on my show who have TGA have reported. So it's good to know that there's some consistency because we know that every single person who's born with a congenital heart defect is a little bit unique. So that makes it a challenge. Now we know how the normal heart functions. We know a little bit about what's wrong with a TGA or a TGV heart, but this is just a spotlight show, so we won't go into the entire history of treatments for TGA, which I find fascinating, by the way. I think that's really amazing. <laughs> and I know that it includes operations named after some really great cardiothoracic surgeons, such as Dr. Blaylock, Dr. Hamlin, Dr. Mustard, and Dr. Senning. So can you tell me what treatments are commonly used for LTGA today? The treatment of levotransposition of the great arteries varies greatly based on whether or not a VSD is present and whether or not the tricuspid valve is leaking. If the VSD is not present, they may not need to do surgery unless the tricuspid valve begins leaking. This patient will require lifelong follow-up to watch that right ventricle. Over time, the right ventricle may struggle because it is not designed to pump blood to the whole body. If there is a significant ventricular septal defect, then this patient would most likely need heart surgery. The surgery options vary greatly based on what other heart defects go along with it. That seems to be the common thread when I have people on my show, especially it seems like I've had so many people on my show with CCTGA. And the thing is, it's a misnomer, right? So it says congenitally corrected transposition, but we all know it's not really corrected. <laughs> it just means that you may not be blue like you would if you had DTGA, right? So I've had some people on my show who did not need surgery right away and who went years and years without really having too much trouble. But then as they got into their later decades, they did start to have significant trouble because that right ventricle started to fail. And I think that seems to be a more common situation, don't you, Chris? I agree. So now let's talk about dextro TGA or DTGA because we know that's the one that is more serious. So dextro transposition of the great arteries is when the two major arteries or great vessels of the heart are essentially flipped. This means that the oxygen poor blood that needs to go to the lungs to be oxygenated is instead being pumped to the body. And the oxygenated blood is being pumped back to the lungs. So you have two different circulations and they're separate and they're not getting blood to the right spot. It's really scary. These kiddos tend to be really blue or cyanotic. And it's really important that intervention happens really quick. Right. Yeah. Unless they're lucky enough to still have their PDA open or a PFO or some kind of 
whole, they're not going to have that oxygen traveling in their body the way it needs to be. So yeah, they turn out being really blue kids and it's super scary. Yeah. In the very beginning, it is important that they diagnose it right away. In the NICU, we typically start the patient on a certain medication called prostin. Isn't it called prostaglandin? Is it also called prostin? So prostin's the brand name and prostaglandin oh. is the generic. Okay. You just taught me something new. I always heard prostaglandin E1 or prostaglandin, but I've never heard prostin before. So I just learned prostin's something new. Prostin's to say. <laughs> cool. Okay. So they so, get started on prostin right away. Or prostaglandin. And this medication keeps that PDA or the patent ductus arteriosus. This is the structure and fetal circulation that allows mixing of blood. And as long as they can keep that open, they can do an atrial septostomy. And this is where they go in and they create a hole in the top two chambers so that they allow the mixing to occur. And that's if usually a, done in a cath lab, right, Chris? They don't have to do open heart for that procedure. Yes, it can be done in cath lab. Okay. And then if a patient does have a hole, then they can kind of go not make the hole right away. And so then it buys them a little bit of time, right? It does. Mm-hmm. Eventually, these kids will need open heart surgery to correct this condition. The preferred surgery is the arterial switch basically connects the right ventricle to the pulmonary artery and the left ventricle to the aorta so that the blood can circulate how it's supposed to. And they'll typically get that surgery before coming home from the hospital. Then in my free time, I like to read about different surgical procedures and the history of CHD. And if you look at the history of how transposition has been treated over the years. The arterial switch seems almost like a miracle, isn't it? Yes, it seems like the outcomes are so much better with this than some of the old interventions they used to do. So when you actually have the atrial switch, it's almost as though the surgeons are able to put the heart back the way it was supposed to be. And I think that's just amazing that they're able to do that. And now they are able to have better outcomes with these kiddos. So to me, that's really super encouraging. The atrial switch is the mustard or sunning and the arterial switch was in 1975. And that's the one that was performed by Dr. Jatin. Yeah, that's the arterial switch. So isn't it amazing how many different operations have been created for this one congenital heart defect? Yes. So what causes TGA, Chris? Like most congenital heart disease, we don't really know what causes it. They've speculated that maybe some associated risk factors like gestational diabetes, maternal exposure to herbicides, and maybe using anti-epileptic drugs, but we don't really know. I have so many friends who have TGA of one form or another. In fact, my heart warrior was also born with TGA, but... Luckily, had a humongous VSD and an ASD, PDA, PFO. So had a Swiss cheese heart and was never blue. And unfortunately, also had a very small left ventricle. But because of the TGA, the right ventricle was doing the work of the left ventricle anyway. And that was a big one. So it ended up balancing out. I've been surprised to have actually met some other single ventricle heart warriors who have a very similar situation. 
but we're from all over the world. So it's not environmental, right? So what is causing this? I think it's one of those great mysteries. And I'm hoping that someday we actually do know what causes these heart defects. Don't you, Chris? Yeah, I mean, we don't really know what causes it. It's so frustrating because unless we know the cause, it makes finding a cure that much more difficult, don't you think? Yeah, we don't really know what causes it, so we don't know what to do to avoid. But right now, it's just like you get the lottery at life and you end up with congenital heart disease. <laughs> I love that. Never heard anyone say that on my show before, but you're right. It's like the lottery in life. We know that at least one in a hundred is going to be born with a heart defect. It's kind of a crapshoot which one you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And then you just go with it. So 20 years ago, when my heart warrior was born, the survival rates for kids with CHDs was not very good. But I know that the survival rates for kids with TGA have improved over the years. So can you tell me a little bit about the survival rate for kids with TGA? Sure. So medicine is constantly advancing. We learn from every patient, and new innovations are changing the survival rate. In the 1960s, the average lifespan for a patient with transposition of the great arteries was 0.69 years. So that's barely half a year. Wow, I didn't realize it was that small. (laughs) They were still babies. Now we have 90% of these patients living into adulthood. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Incredible. It gives me so much hope. And is that inclusive LTGA and DTGA? Yes. Okay. So even the ones born with the more severe, they're still tending to make it to adulthood. What I'm happy to know is that we have this arterial switch and the arterial switch seems to be having such great results. But if that operation for whatever reason, is not going to work with a child. They have a lot of other choices that they can turn to. And I'm just so pleased to see that over the years, so many doctors have been focusing their attention on TGA with the hope to help these heart warriors survive even longer. So is there anything else we need to know about TGA, Chris? So something that I find quite interesting with the DTGA is that an associated atrial septal defect, or an additional congenital heart disease can actually save a baby's life. Without this hole, the condition would be critical. So I think it's just interesting that an additional congenital heart disease changes things. I know, right? So I think it's amazing that even back in the 1990s, the success rate has changed so much. In the 1960s, most babies didn't make it to their first birthday. But now they make it to adulthood, and 28 years ago, there were a lot of them that didn't make it to age five. Yeah. I mean, the outcomes are so different. They really are. They really are. Even today, you see a difference in the outcomes, but it doesn't seem as dramatic as it did 28 years ago. I saw a lot of babies die in the hospital. My time in the ICU was pretty traumatic as a mom. Because I was like the dorm mom. There were so many moms who couldn't be in the hospital with their kids because they had to work or 
I don't know, for whatever reason, they couldn't be there. And since it was open bays and there wasn't HIPAA back then, like there is now, I went yeah. around and said hello to every baby. And I would sing to the babies and talk to the babies and meet the parents and talk to the moms. And I would tell the babies, oh, your mommy's going to be here this afternoon. She told me she'll be here after work. I just went and talked to all the babies. <laughs> they would not let you do that now. I would not be allowed to do that now, which is I kind know. of sad because I got a chance to know all of them. And a lot of those babies just laid there. It was so traumatic to watch it. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much for sharing this information with us, Chris. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. That concludes the CHD Spotlight. Tune in tomorrow for our CHD and Society episode. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have become inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard at any time wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode is released every Tuesday from noon Eastern time.